Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James. Today, we are talking with someone who needs no introduction, the one, the only, Tia Boyson. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week, we had our very special one-year celebration live stream, and today we are very excited to bring you a guest. We are very excited for you uh, to get to know and to meet. So you might know Tia Boyson if you've played any other TCGs. Well, maybe not any other, but uh, you might know her from watching her stream games like Gwent or The Witcher or even League of Legends. Lately, last night, I was even watching you stream some Lorcana. So today we are here to talk all about Lorcana. Hey, Tia, welcome, welcome. Hey, what's up, Jared and James? Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love your guys' Twitter accounts. I follow it. So, yeah, when you asked me to come on, I was very excited to attend. I'm going to be 100% honest because I remember that first time you sent me a direct message on, on Twitter. And I had no idea who you were. You sent, uh, <laughs> hey there, I'm a big fan of yours. And I sent, like, the Star Wars General Kenobi. Hello there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so we've and been trying to make I this happen ever since. It. Yeah, no, when you asked me, I was super excited. And uh, yeah, I am happy I can finally see a face connected to the Twitter account. It makes it more personal. Yeah, I know. I've posted a few pictures of myself over the years, but mostly it's just uh, flounder. Mostly memes. it's just flounder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Again, welcome. And uh, before we get into the heart of the episode, which is going to be all about Lorcana, uh, you have a Lorcana announcement you'd like to share for an event that's happening the day after we release this. So why don't you let us know what is happening? Yeah, so I decided to host one big online tournament, probably the biggest prize pool yet for a free entry online tournament. It is available on my Twitter. You can go there, Tia Boyson. You'll find the announcement with the link. It's going to take place this Saturday. Really, I encourage everybody who wants to try it out to attend. The real goal is just to get more people into the scene before it really hits off this year. And I thought this is a, a just a fun way to do it. So please come on by. There's already almost 200 people participating. So I'm hoping to get it to 300. That would break the record. Well, I was telling James, I was watching your, like, I didn't watch it live, but I went back and watched it. And there were so many people making comments like, what is this game? What are you yeah. playing? And you are just introducing Lorcana to a whole group of people that know nothing about it. And I think that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I just want more people to play with, to be honest. <laughs> it's crazy because, I mean, I have all these friends coming from other card games and so many of these card games are just dying now, which is weird. But uh, I was a great caster. It's finally in maintenance mode after many years. So well, these people are sort of immigrating to other card games and I'm just trying to get all my friends to try out Disney because if we can immigrate together, I'll still have my friends, you know? Uh -huh. So <laughs> I'm just trying to keep everybody together and hopefully we can sort of figure it out. Um, There are definitely more tournaments to come, but at some point we'll have bigger tournaments with some of the creators being more involved and sort of trying and convince them to come give Disney a try. When I was listening again, you were saying that this prize money is coming out of your own pocket and, yes. and you're like guys I'm a student I go to school full-time <laughs> but I've been out of school I've had a chance to save up some money and I'm like who is this person like I think that's incredible what you're doing for the community so everybody who's listening to this definitely go sign like what do you have to lose it's a free tournament 
just your time. <laughs> yeah, because the Saturday playing a game, right? What what can be more fun than that? Exactly. You can drop out at any point. I won't even punish you. I just <laughs> do one do one and fall out if you lose. I don't care. <laughs> There's only one person winning at the end of the day. So I just want you to stick around and have fun and hey, see how far you can get. There's going to be a top eight cut. So I am going to split the prize pool a little bit more evenly. After talking with all the pros in the scene, I really asked if we can split the $1,000 into maybe like a $500 first place, $300 second place sort of vibe. And I, I think that makes sense. So once we get to that point, I will ask what everybody wants and we'll just do it. There's no reason not to do it, right? The goal is to make everybody happy at the end of the day. That makes sense to me. So now the real question is, will you be playing or will you be casting or either or neither? Good question. So administrating the tournament, it seems I have some buttons I need to push behind the scenes. <laughs> like that's kind of stressful. I'm not going to lie. So every 50 minutes, I need to push that button in the Swiss, get the uh, final turns going. Because in Lorcana, you know, after you reach the limit, you have five more turns to play out your game. And then if there are any disputes, I have to be there ready to help out. So I really do want to play. If not, I will end up casting maybe in post-production even. Um, otherwise, I'll make sure there are other casters who are very talented at what they do, ready to go help me out for the day. Uh, we've got a whole team. Everybody in the community is just trying to help out, which is just really cool. So uh, one of my favorite things about Disney so far is how wholesome the community is, at least at this level. You know, things always change down the line. But for now, it seems very positive compared to other card game communities I've been a part of. You have not ventured onto Facebook Lorcana yet, have you? Oh, no. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just teasing. Twitter, uh, Lorcana, and the Discord. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, there's definitely some toxicity out there, but I feel like generally it's very positive. And I feel like the great majority of the content creators are very positive and just want to see everybody else uh, succeed and grow. Mm, absolutely. I mean, the only bit of toxicity I've seen so far is probably collectors who are trying to get prices in a certain range but that's new to me because i've never played a tcg i've only played online card games so i've never been able to sell cards and i don't know if you can tell but i'm panicking a little bit like my entire background is just filled with sorting cards because i have bought so many boxes of cards i just wanted to complete my collection so i've bought rapunzel's at 60 dollars through ebay i have i've watched the prices drop on other cards after i bought them so yeah, I'm just going to stick to the esports scene, I think. I, I We're both new to TCGs, too, and I did the same thing, bought those Rapunzel's for $60. You had to. I mean, you have to have four in your yellow decks. You can't not have Rapunzel in those decks. She's so good. Yep. She's amazing. Okay, so let's talk Lorcana. So I think you first came onto my radar. I mean, I talked about the DMs, but I remember there was a post from Miami TCG con that was like, Hey, look who's here. And I've watched your interest in Lorcana girl. Like I've seen those pictures with those cards in the background and yeah, it's a, it's a time commitment to get everything organized. Um, yeah. But, but tell us what first interested you in Lorcana and what keeps you coming back to it? Yeah. So in the card game community where everybody's really closely connected like every time there's a new card game we're normally on top of it especially if you're a content creator because you really have to be on top of it from day one if you want to see yourself grow in that scene as a caster or maybe as a somebody who streams 
I don't stream as often as I'd like to anymore since I'm doing my studies, but back in the day, you'd, you'd stream every day. Every new card, you have to announce it, get all of that out. So when we heard about Disney coming out in September, I find I found it was really hard to get my hand on content, actually, because the boxes were almost impossible to find. I somehow had a friend come to my door with one extra box. I didn't even order it. And I was like, oh, yeah, a good friend. And I was like, this is awesome. And I opened the box on stream, got an enchanted Elsa, had no idea what it was worth. Suddenly, everybody told me I need gloves if I'm opening cards. And uh, I sold the Elsa for $350, which was the biggest mistake since I never drawn her again. And I now have ample enchanted cards. I'm still searching for her to this day. You could say it's what drives me, actually. So that's maybe why I have so many cards. Um, but yeah, within the first physical tournament, I saw that this card game was really well designed. Like... Unlike a lot of other card games, this one wasn't going to die within the first week, which happens so incredibly often, you'd be surprised. Because uh, I would promote a new card game every two th- weeks, every month, and hardly any of them still exist. So playing in person was the first cool aspect for me because it was completely new. That socialization aspect, super important. So that was number one. Number two is the design of the game showed promise. So far, no broken decks, nothing truly problematic. And after talking to Ravensburger, um, I got on a call with him somehow and just asking a bit more about what's going to happen. You know, how do we organize tournaments down the line? I could tell these people were on top of it. They know what they're doing. Uh, at least up until now, everything seems smoothly planned out um, for the next year or two, perhaps even. And um, that also gave me a lot of confidence. So uh, going from a card game that, puts out 16, 30 cards every few months to one that puts out 204 cards every, what, two, three months. Every three that months. Was, that was a breath of fresh air, I'm going to tell you. That's an indication of a healthy card game. So for now, I'm optimistic. We'll give it another year, see how it goes after set three, see how the competitive scene develops. And um, yeah, for now, I see no reason not to invest a lot of time into this one. Hold on, hold on. I want to back this train up. You said... The meta is healthy. There's nothing broken, but this is coming from somebody who is running a Ruby Amethyst deck. Ooh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing. Okay, as it much is as I the don't. Best deck. Here's it's the deal. Good. It's good. Here's yeah. the deal. I was playing. I was playing a Alice and Seven Dwarves deck just the other day. I love that. And I was playing against somebody that had a Ruby Amethyst. I was at 18 lore by turn six. So they mm. put another one in the inkwell, be prepared. And then I put out a dock with two lore, be prepared. And then I put out two Simbas, protective cub, be prepared. And then I get another dock. I top deck it. Lady Tremaine. I'm just like, all you right. You shouldn't have gotten them to turn seven. That's that's your fault, clearly, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see how this is. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. Yeah, you got to stop that Ruby Amethyst deck from doing what it wants to do. Of course. You got to win before that, right? It's There you go. Or just take all their cards. Like, yeah. reach, reach across the board. <laughs> no, you <can laughs> play the discard deck, right? Yeah, physically. Yep. <laughs> That's what makes this card game so fun. <laughs> so, so speaking of the Ruby Amethyst and talking about the meta... Um, we're going to be starting a new segment this year where we talk about uh, decks and what we're playing and just like strategies and those kinds of things. 
So you're running Ruby Amethyst now. Did you work through some other decks or did you just see that that's like the one that's at the top and figure out like your version of it? Or did you, did you like just build what you saw other people playing? Yeah, so I ended this, the vast majority of the stream with that deck since it's the meta deck. I always make some changes because I hate playing the exact predictable deck. That There has to be some changes because people build their decks precisely to counter that one. So you got to throw in some surprises. But before that, I was playing a rush deck of like yellow, purple. So the thing is those decks, they're quite good. If you play Madame Mim and you play uh, Arthur, potentially even cards like that do really well in certain instances. Like my favorite combo that I found from previous tournaments was the Befuddle card that won a cost inkable purple card where you can remove either your card or your opponent's card from the board back into their hand. So if you're playing a rush deck where your goal is to win really fast, you just continue playing Befuddle and throwing your opponent's cards off the board round one, round two. You continue questing for what, two points, three points. That has been my favorite combo so far. Um, I think in one of the previous tournaments, a player got third place with a similar deck and then all the other decks were Ruby Amethyst. So... I was like, wow, maybe that's the counter to Ruby Amethyst. Uh, clearly, this guy knows what he's doing. So I'd say that's my favorite deck, besides the obvious meta deck that's doing really well. I think the control element of um, Ruby is just really strong. It's almost it's hard not to include it in your deck, right? Um, the Be Prepared, the Lady Tremaine, all of that is it's just so, so strong. You can't really not have it in your deck, right? Um, so maybe it's a bit overpowered, but I feel like Ravensburger made this with the goal of having a set of three chapters. So I'm like, once the location cards and all of that come out, maybe it's going to be more balanced. So I'm not counting my cards too early, if you will. But uh um okay so what is the deck your ruby amethyst struggles the most against is it uh the discard deck or is it the hyper aggro deck hmm good question so far it hasn't struggled much <laughs> so <laughs> it's normally something very random um yeah i mean it's really hard actually i i guess it would be against a deck that just rushes like um the yellow green by the way, I use the colors because it's just easier sometimes. But yeah, yellow green, the yellow, um, yellow purple as well. If, if those decks rush its way into winning before turn six, that's where we struggle, right? So if they're able to just continue doing their thing and I don't draw well enough to counter them, then I'm in big trouble. So, um, yeah. So I'd say, uh, yeah, they sort of counter each other. If if you're able to beat me to 20 lore before turn six turn seven and i haven't built up a board presence then i'm in big trouble um which is unfortunate yeah. not so a lot hear, you can do what i hear you saying is i need to go i don't know i have this thing about not playing meta decks and i again i listen to your live stream you're pretty brutal when you're commentating on other people's actions you're like yeah. that's on you um <laughs> i just can't bring myself to play a meta deck so i might have to do the hyper aggro one Oof. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play a discard deck, actually. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. That one seems fun. <laughs> it's so yeah. fun. I thought that might be the sneaky deck you bring to tournaments, but 
truly it doesn't build enough points quick enough and yeah. if people play wisely they simply ink all their cards yep. so yep. you you can't get enough value really so i'm sure there's a in between you can sort of try but i haven't found it yet so while we're talking about Lurkana tournaments, have you found yourself going to local game store yet? Or are you just yeah. mostly doing online stuff? Oh, for sure. So, um, well, I flew out to Miami for the biggest one I could find. Right. Yeah. And then I've done one or two in my local, not local, uh, I'm studying in Scotland. So I'd take the train down to London and then I'd compete in an event or two there, which is a lot of fun. Um, so I'd say those are more the local tournaments I went to. Um, I found that I can get more practice in online, however, which isn't a good thing, but simply because, you know, in these tournaments, it takes a whole day and it's fun if you really go for a big tournament like Miami. But if I'm trying to get experience, I find it's easier to quickly do it against my friends online or even here at home, to be honest. But otherwise, it's a whole day trip down to London and then you do these 50 minute games and sometimes it doesn't go well and then you sort of go back home and you feel bad because you traveled all the way but it's worth doing if you have the time every now and then I, I think but I could just play so much faster online which is something I truly hope Disney gets on at some point is an online client because their client or their software on their in the phone is so nice it's so nicely done the uh, Lorcana app you use to count lore and you can track the cards you're collecting that's really nicely done. And my theory is that they already have something going where they can potentially take that online at some point because they already have it beautifully integrated onto the app. Everything's nicely designed. If we could ever have that happen, I would be super duper happy. But if we are restricted to TCGs and doing it in person, that's also fine. Like I already have another tournament booked in Miami for uh, March, actually. It's not very public yet, but I'm I'm going, I'm going to fly down and attend another one. So yeah, looking very forward to it. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to participate in one of those big tournaments too. Yes. Um, so the topic of the day seems to be all about ban list. And I blame this on, I don't know if you've listened to the Forbidden Mountain guys, but they're the first ones I've heard talk about ban list uh, versus restrictions. What are your thoughts on ban list restrictions? Should they come into Lorcana yet or should they like is it okay i mean i like the idea um once we head into the true competitive season done by ravensburger i see no reason why we shouldn't i mean it would i i i'm used to having multiple deck lists in a tournament and your opponent has to ban one of them to be honest because otherwise you end up with everybody playing the same deck which we as we see now can be problematic so if everybody knows that their Amethyst Ruby list is being banned, you're going to have to start getting creative with a second deck, right? Um, so I I quite like the idea, if I'm going to be honest. It's going to be interesting, though, because right now there is still a tiny bit of a supply shortage, I want to say. Like, not enough people have all the cards. So suddenly people have to buy two different decks, right? So practically that could be a bit difficult because normally you just build your 60 deck uh you know you buy some legendary cards but uh now you'll have to have two in order to compete in tournaments which is going to make it a bit of a i don't know i feel like we're gating the community a tiny bit by making it a bit more difficult to enter into tournaments online i see no reason why you shouldn't have some restrictions in place maybe a ban i think 
I think that makes sense to be honest. Like who's who's getting hurt by doing this, you know? Just hardcore Amethyst Ruby mains. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all for it. I think it would promote some creativity, some more deck building, stuff like that is important. Now to your point about the product availability. I kind of think that's why they held off on organized play because mm. there are just so many people that just don't have the cards. And I know the mm. hardcore people, they have the cards. Yeah. Like they're going to find a way to get it. But I think Robinsberger really wants to attract not just the hardcore players, but the families and the people who yeah. have never really been a part of TCG before. Absolutely. That's the impression I got from them as well. Um, like there's no real reason to go all out yet when people don't have the cards. It's as simple as that. Like why even promote it when people can't go out and buy the product, right? So like even with all my cards in the background, like the amount of money I spent as this is my first time spending money on a hobby because I'm almost done with my studies. I'm starting to see I have some disposable income that doesn't need to go towards studies, which is great. So it's still far too much for the average player. There's like people are better off buying starter packs and then buying singles than just buying $200 booster packs like this one. Still opening this one. I keep it here to keep me happy, you know? There's always <laughs> more cards to open at the end of the day. <laughs> but So, yeah, uh, I'd say once it becomes more mainstream, shortage isn't really a factor anymore. It's Prices aren't too expensive. I think that's when things are really going to go crazy. Because I think you can already buy these things in like Disney parks, right? I've heard that somewhere. They showed up for a day and a half, basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah, at, at the at the like Disney Springs and Walt Disney World and Downtown Disney at Disneyland. They haven't made it into inside the parks yet, but they're right next to the parks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's and they crazy. lasted a day, a day and a half. So, I mean, they'll, they'll show up again. Yeah, I think this game is going to be really big. I mean, you don't just get the Disney IP and not become very successful, right? Like, especially if we can get more kids involved in something like this. And I, they, I, yeah. And yeah. if they advertise it, they of they course. really have done no advertising yet. And I think that's purposeful. Yeah. I, I really get the sense that they're waiting for Chapter 3 to be out before going more mainstream with this product. That's the sense I get. So don't quote me on that, but... I think we're waiting for the final set to come out first. So speaking of set three, where mm -hmm. that's coming out in about seven weeks, I think. Don't say that. That's too soon. Right? It's going to be mid-late February for uh, at your local game store, and I think the beginning of March at Big Box. So we're getting locations, brand new uh, type of card. Are, is there anything like you're really excited for with just adding locations or are they announced like there's Disney afternoon stuff coming? Is there any franchises you you've seen announced that you're really excited for or just excited to get more cards? Honestly, I haven't seen much about franchises yet, which interests me. Um, I am excited about the location aspect. That sounds very cool. So I've been keeping an eye on the locations and I'm very curious to see how that's going to sort of make the gameplay more um complex perhaps because right now it's fairly simple if you compare it to other already developed tcgs but obviously it literally just started so i'm curious to see how this one plays out and it's going to give us a good idea of their potential for the future so yeah right now i'm very much looking forward to locations and how that's going to work in a tcg like this 
one again, I think that simplicity was by design because I think their hopes were to draw people in who've never played TCGs before and hold their hands to take them on this journey to uh, getting into more. Because like, if I were to hop into Magic the Gathering, in fact, I did. I tried to play Magic the Gathering Arena online and I went through the tutorials and I was like, okay, I got this. And then I actually started playing against like real people with real cards and real decks. It's like, I have no idea what I'm even doing here. And I don't know if I want to like drop the time to learn. Exactly. Which is why we're always so excited when a new card game comes out, because there's something about being part of it from the very beginning that just hits differently. Like I did the same with Gwent, the Witcher card game, when it became a standalone game in around 2016. I just happened to see it on my PlayStation as a little update. And I thought, wow, I like Gwent. Why not? Um, And then I stuck it out until the very end, which was December last year. So I feel the same with Disney being a potential new game. Because Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering, Legends of Runeterra, I never really got into those games because of the already developed community and feeling kind of like I'm behind, you know? So I just, I don't have the time to learn a whole game either unless I'm doing it with my competitors slowly. (laughs) So I have a good shot at becoming good at the game. Yeah, it just feels really nice to be able to start a game near or at the beginning and then grow with it so it doesn't feel like you have this onslaught of information you need to learn you learn as you go which is the best way to learn for sure as they intended right yeah yeah i already can't really imagine coming into disney with more than 600 cards being released if i'm gonna be honest it's luckily we're not seeing all of them in play um but yeah it's already a bit of a tour now to really learn it if if you're coming in a year late potentially you know well man we had so much time with set one because before the game was released they'd announce the cards and i feel like james and i we knew the cards inside and out but when set two was announced we were busy playing with set one and like yeah. we were aware that set two was being released but i still go to my local game store sometimes and somebody will play a card that i just don't see like, uh, do you mind if I, like, remind me what that does again? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that's always so awkward, having to ask to read it, which I do all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So back to this idea of specific franchises, Um, they talked about how there were 90s cartoons coming in, like DuckTales and Tailspin. Is there any specific IP that you would love to see in the Disney Lorcana game? Good question. Are we talking Pixar by any chance? You know, where where are we stopping? Star Wars? Like, it's just endless possibilities at this point. Technically, it's anything owned by Disney at this point. I mean, they they did say it's only animation so far. But (laughs) in reality, if they want to, since we've seen them do it with Villainous, it's basically anything that Disney owns. Gosh, that's a lot. I mean, I guess my favorite one would be Bambi, but still a bit sad. Uh, I would like to see Finding Nemo, all of those weird Ratatouille, like that's where we truly just get everything involved in this game. So, yeah, I mean, the possibilities are literally endless, which makes it so cool. They're even making more Disney movies as we speak, right? Well, not just are they endless in terms of the IP that they have, but with this Dreamborn and Floodborn mechanic in the game, it truly mm-hmm. is endless. They can make a million different Mickey Mouses and mm-hmm. and still keep making more. Like we might get sick of it after a million, but I mean, the possibility is there. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, which is what makes this IP truly great. Like we had Marvel Snap being a massive success with what they were given. Then you had DC Dual Force be a massive failure with what they were given. So it truly is what you make of it at the end of the day. But so far, I've been really impressed with this one pulling it off beautifully. So my hopes are very high. Okay, so you've been around competitive gaming for a while, both with Gwent and maybe you played games before that. But what do you hope to see out of organized play specifically for Lorcana? Like, I know you're right now you're saying, you know, there's just nothing out there. So I'm going to grab the bull by the horns and organize my own tournaments. But once organized play from Ravensburger is announced, what would you hope to see from that? Hmm. Well, I want it to be mainstream and very well known. So I am sure once it becomes an organized tournament, it will become mainstream really quickly. Um, yeah, I want like every every person to know of this, just like they know of Magic the Gathering, you know. And again, you could see like how sad it is when I'm streaming the game and my old community comes in who are all card game players, avid card game players, and they don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, which it just hurts my soul because that's not how it should be. But I get that they're going slow because right now product is limited. It's kind of planned. Um, but yeah, everybody should know about this game and they shouldn't really have to ask. They should just know, which is why I'm trying to get more people into it. Even though right now it's online, which is really an alternative method to do it. Once Disney potentially gives us a better method, we obviously we switch back. But for now, you have in-person tournaments, which even a lot of my friends who are really into card games can't really go to because either they can't fly out or they just can't buy all the cards. They just don't have the money, which is why I was like, okay, online is free. I can make it free and I can make it worth your while if you were to learn the game. And then potentially we can motivate more content creators to see oh this is a pretty cool game we should try it as well and make it a thing right so yeah hopefully disney comes in quickly and gives us some tournaments because i'm so excited to get started and according to them i think they want to have competitive play and they want to have casual play they want like everybody to be able to get involved so maybe you have more than one competitive scene you know by ravensburger that would be amazing so yeah, I'm I'm excited. I do think it's going to be a big year for Disney Lorcana. I just have to share when I was at Gen Con where Lorcana was announced or uh, launched. Um, I just got this distinct impression when I was in the gaming area, like Lorcana had I don't know like eight tables that you could sit like sixteen people at, mm. which was okay. But then you look at the table space that was dedicated to Magic the Gathering. It was like probably a quarter of the gaming space there. Yeah, And I just had this impression. I was like, I know that Lorcan is not going to take up a quarter of the space next year, but it's going to have a much bigger footprint than what it has right now. Like, and probably a lot bigger than a lot of the other games now. I mean, yeah. it's not going to pass the big three. It's probably not going to pass one piece the first year, but I just had this feeling that it's going to, it's going to make itself known this upcoming mm. year. Well, I guess it's this year now. Yeah, didn't uh, we run into each other at the Miami event? I was not at Miami, actually. Who did I run into? I I'm pretty sure I ran into, I ran into a lot of new faces that day. Um, but I believe it it was the Miami TCG convention, and it was the biggest one thus far. And I'll tell you, you'd immediately take back what you just said because the amount of people in that like center was 
astronomical. I'm I can't even recall how many people there were. I think there was like 240 yeah. people. That was incredible. That was before the game's been out three months. Yep. Like that that shows you the absolute potential of this game. Like it was ridiculous how cool that was. And that's where I was like, wow, this is so fun. Like I, I want to do this over and over and over again. So after my studies, I'll have more time to just fly everywhere and go to tournaments <laughs> if necessary. So speaking of flying everywhere, going to tournaments, Lorcana has to last in order for that to happen. I mean, it has to continue to grow, expand. Do you think that Jared mentions, you know, he doesn't think it's going to take over magic, but do you think it could join like the big three uh, over the years? Do you think it's going to last that long to be able to do that? Or is it going to be like most other games and kind of fizzle out after a few years? Yeah, it's a good question. It doesn't feel like it's about to fizzle out. Like it's far too early. Um, hmm. Yeah, I do feel like I know I'm hounding in on it, but that's just where my mind's at right now with the tournament I'm uh hosting. I do think at some point to get on their level, we'll have to make it accessible and like mobile or online. Uh, I like Magic. All those card games have something like that that makes it more accessible for people who can't afford to get into the physical aspect of it. So I think once we have an online version it will become far more mainstream, far quicker. I think we could easily surpass many of the top three, to be honest, like uh, easily. If this game continues the way it's going and grows with marketing done by Ravensburger, that's going to be incredible. Um, Yeah, I already know a lot of kids playing this game as well, which is really cool to see. Like they can keep up pretty, pretty easily. They're all playing a starter decks, which is there for the average community as well. But Still, it's it's very fun beating them with my Ruby Amethyst meta deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, that's something I'm grateful for. I'm able to share this game with my son, and it's something that we have been able to bond over. And uh, yeah, he doesn't have all the best cards, and so I'm trying to help him out by giving him better cards so he has a better experience. But um, like I can see, like he's. He's almost as obsessed with it as I am. Like he he's not on a podcast, obviously, but uh, I think he would if he could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Can you imagine events for kids done by Ravensburger or Disney? Like how cool that would be. Like having all these kids come in with these cards and just playing, like teaching kids from a young age how to get into card games. Because we all had these card games that got us into it, right? Like for me, it was Gwen, but I recall watching people play Magic the Gathering when I was young and just watching these teenagers while I was at preschool sort of doing their thing. And it was so cool. And now with Disney card games, I would love to see kids at like elementary level, like pulling out their card games in recess and playing against each other. Like anything that gets you intellectually stimulated while playing to me is always a win for kids. So yeah, that would be beautiful, truly. I I think Disney has that going for them. I think they want to expand into all aspects of this card game, not just the competitive uh, element of it. And I I back that if that's the route Ravensburger wants to go. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, I think we already have like a social media manager who just entered Twitter announcing that they're working for Ravensburger. Like we're starting to see the wheels turn slowly. You can see there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes. You have these artists who are already paid well in advance for sets that we can't even like 
count up to yet, which is also very positive. So, I mean, I, I follow all the leads to see the health of a card game before I get involved. And this one looks fairly good for the next year, at least. So, yeah, very positive. That's awesome. No, we've uh, we've had a chance to chat with Stephen Ryan as well. I don't know who on the Robinsberger team you talked to, but uh, yeah. we get that same impression too. That And they've said that in their press releases that they already, you know, planning six, seven sets or, you know, they're already planning on sets six and seven before yeah. set one or two had even released so the fact that they're thinking that far down the line shows me how committed they are i mean i personally this is just me the only thing that's gonna make this game not succeed is if for whatever reason disney decides to pull the license which i don't see happening but that's the only thing that i could see um dooming mm. this game i guess is the word that i'm looking for goodness what what do you think would make disney pull the license no 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 like that's why I said, like, I don't see it, but I will say okay. you talked about uh, card games that we played that got us into playing card games. For me, yeah. it was a Star Wars Decipher card game back in the uh, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, Star Wars Lucasfilms pulled the license from Decipher and that effectively killed that game. Wow. So, and, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen with Lorcan. I'm just saying that's the only thing that I could see that could potentially ever, uh, at least in the short term, doom this game because I... I feel like it's full steam ahead. Yeah, that's quite interesting. No, I'm I'm sure Ravensburger wouldn't do anything to allow that. It's it would be a very silly mistake <laughs> to do yeah. so. Yeah. So one question we like to ask content creators, which you are a very prolific content creator on top of going to school, top of doing everything that you're doing. I don't know how you juggle it all. But one question we ask content creators is what piece of advice would you give to aspiring content creators? Yeah, well, I tell them to literally just start immediately. Um, people obsess too much about having the perfect camera, the perfect mic, the best PC. You don't need any of that to literally just start. Um, you have to start somewhere. You, you're not going to be better if you have a better camera, like not at a beginner level. So I'd say don't obsess about having the perfect everything and just begin with your PlayStation, but begin with like just a mic on a headset, if you will, and then just start getting into the content scene and doing your thing. Um, yeah, just don't over obsess about things outside of your control. I think a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome. Do you ever get that sense? And if you do, how do you uh, combat that? Uh, yeah, for sure. In the first few months of streaming, because I got pretty big pretty quickly because I found Gwent, which just happened to be the perfect gaming community. So they were just so cool. So I went from three to eight viewers to suddenly having an average of 100 viewers, which is a lot. Like uh, as, a, as a, a little awkward teenager, that's a lot. Picturing 100 people staring at you and you're the source of entertainment while playing this game it took me a good year or two to learn how to kind of ignore it and just concentrate on the game itself and believe me it's not easy so for sure you start off with imposter syndrome and then you sort of grow into it and then every time you reach a new height you have it again like you go from 100 and suddenly you have 500 viewers because you just got a raid and then you're back at it again so it never truly disappears um but yeah i mean imposter syndrome isn't isn't that real you know everybody is where they are and 
Like nobody knows what they're doing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Okay. So we have some listener questions. And if you want to answer, if you want to help answer, you can. Uh, if not, that that's fine too. So uh, I just asked on Twitter, you know, we want to answer your burning Lorcana questions. So somebody said, should we implement a 10 card sideboard in Lorcana? What do you think about that? Hmm. So I've never had that in one of my card games, but my understanding is you have 10 cards like that are accessible or something that you can like replace. Yep. Um, so you play the game and say you're playing Ruby Amethyst and I'm playing a deck that just gets absolutely destroyed by Ruby Amethyst. So after the first game, I'm like, you know, what? I have the sideboard that will make my deck a little more uh, hyper aggro. I'm going to take these cards in, take 10 cards out from my deck and shuffle up that way. So that's that's what a sideboard is. I like it. Any Anything that provides some variability, I feel at this point, because it's a little bit stale, uh, only because of the lack of cards at this point in time. But uh, having all the exact same meta decks playing out against each other gets a bit boring at some point so anything that provides us with some more variability more decks i am a i'm a fan of personally now james i know how you feel about this what's your what's your take on sideboards uh well people seem to think that when i call it cheating that i'm saying that they're cheating it's i keep saying that because it feels like if you sit down with a deck that you've just built that those 60 cards are the cards you're playing with. And if you can then magically grab 10 cards after a game, you're like, oh, that 60 cards isn't working right. Well, that feels like cheating sometimes because you're adding things in that weren't in what you started with. But if it's in the game rules, I'm fine with it. If it's part of the game, it's part of the game. It's just it's coming from someone who's never played TCGs before. When I first heard of it, mm -hmm. it just felt like it was kind of like cheating. That makes sense to me, to be honest. I can I can see that being very irritating. It's when your opponent quickly takes 10 cards and, you know, shuffle their deck up. It would probably bother me as well if, if that happens, right? Yeah, but yeah. if it's part of the game, like it is with Magic and other games, then, you know, it's part of the game. You learn how to adjust and play and make your deck with those 10 cards. Mm. You know, you bring the 10 cards extra too, so you can be the annoying one too. Yep, <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. That's it exactly, because if, you know, again, if Tia were playing Ruby Amethyst and she knew I were was sideboarding in some hyper-aggressive characters, she could sideboard something in to counter that as well. So it's just like it's a chess game that takes the complexity a little bit to the next level. Yes, exactly. Forcing people to think for themselves, essentially. Yep. yep. All right, next question. Oh, sorry. That first one was from uh, Stephen Duck Kemper. Um, the next question is from our good friend, Why Breezy. Uh, do you guys think the game will have dual color cards down the road? If so, what do you think the ink restriction? I'm, I'm not sure what that part of the question means, but this idea of dual color cards. So like if you had a card that was half amber, half amethyst, and if you were playing like a ruby amethyst card, even though it's half amber, it could still go in. That's the idea behind a dual color. What do you think about that? Sounds funky. I like it. I mean, Gwent had similar stuff. Okay. I see no reason why not. Um, I also don't know what the ink restriction thing was. Um, yeah, sounds fun. I, I, I could see that being a thing potentially. 
that 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 feels to me like it's a, a game progression over the years kind of thing mm. where it's, it's a complexity factor that just helps uh as the game goes on it's it's one more thing to keep it from being the same thing every time a set releases so that like in a year or two years when they feel like it's time dual colors come in mm. yeah, yeah i'd have to agree with that mm. same like right now i'm perfectly happy with mono like single color inks we don't need dual colors right now but maybe down the road yeah a bit much right now bit too complicated so this question comes from a robert mr board wipes so i'm guessing robert plays uh ruby <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's they say uh, i'm struggling with the fact that 60 car constructed just doesn't excite me and i don't have the time or money to draft regularly what do i do and i thought this was a good question because like you say a lot of times like our friend eric he gets bored with the meta too um, what do people do when they just get bored with what's going on? How do they shake that up? Yeah, I mean, I would tell people to just build their own decks, but this is always a problem, right? People just copy decks they find from normally content creators, or right now they look at the people who do best in tournaments. But um, I think you can easily counter a deck with a different deck if you wanted to. It just takes some out of out of the box thinking which to me is far more fun is building a sneaky counter deck and bringing it to a tournament and nobody expects it right um yeah also 60 cards uh being boring do does he mean it's what does he mean that's uh, that's a lot of cards um in fact i've never played a game with as many cards in a deck as 60 does he mean it's tedious perhaps to build that many cards into a deck yeah, I'm not um, sure exactly what uh, was meant behind this. Um, for me, I would say try multiplayer. Like, mm. I know when you go to your local game store, it's usually Swiss tournament, best of three, um, not set up for multiplayer. But if it if you're struggling to play 60 card constructed and there's no draft around you, maybe get some of your friends and try multiplayer because that's a lot of fun. It's It's a lot of fun. And honestly, if I'm being honest, that's one of the things I hope comes at these official organized events is that we do have some like uh, multiplayer events. Like I think at Miami, they had the three versus three thing. Yeah, uh, yeah that yeah. would be fun. I think the the willpower league, the willpower thing that they did at PAX was uh, multiplayer tables as well. So, mm. yeah, that's definitely a thing um, to to keep like the weekly grind of 1v1 playing everybody playing the same four decks um yeah build something new give yourself a challenge of like picking a card or something like picking a, a character and saying i'm going to build a deck around this character uh just to make it mm -hmm. something that you can challenge yourself with to build a deck so that it doesn't get boring because if you're challenging yourself then you can be accountable to yourself and then it's fun for you no matter how well you do at that week's tournament you know that you built it then you played it and then you can adjust it as you go if you want to keep going that's a fun idea for a tournament you just gave me like <laughs> just make rules you know you're only allowed to play creatures that are furry <laughs> so you get all your simbas and your scars and mufasas and make a deck like that and that's how you play it 
that's that's fun hopefully when we have more cards things like that could become fun tournaments you know yeah um yeah yeah great ideas i think from both of you there's yeah i mean some cards are really made to be played uh, like uh, in a setting with more than two people like they read each opponent yep. loses one lore like it's clearly meant to be played in a bigger context which makes me excited as well for the future have you had a chance to play multiplayer yet I've been given the opportunity. The thing is, normally you do it after you fall out of the main event. And if that happens, I go home and sulk a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have energy left to try again. I just pack it up and I get better. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Okay, so last question that we're going to answer here is from a Joshua Schwab. What, and this is just a fun question. What thematic sets are you guys hoping to see in the future for Lorcana. I would love to eventually see a Halloween or a steampunk set. And that's what I that's what I answered. One of my very first podcasts before James ever joined me, I was talking about how I'd love to see a Halloween set. And I don't know if they like release a set that's just Halloween or if they do like a secret layer like Magic does, where you can buy basically alternate art versions of already existing cards where they're, you know, Halloween or Christmas or whatever the case may be. But if they were to do something like that, what would you like to see? I like I I like I like the Halloween idea very much. You probably have to keep it PG though. I really oh, yeah. like the Simpsons way of doing the Treehouse of Horror. That's my type of Halloween. So uh, I don't know. I like the little Easter eggs and stuff they hide. Not literal Easter eggs, but the metaphorical ones. Like maybe for Easter they have little hidden things on some of the cards. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of potential, right? But you're right. Probably alternative art styles, I'd say. Yeah. What about you, James? Oh, that's a tough one. Because, I mean, really, the only thematic sets you can do are kind of uh, holiday-based. For Disney is really, up, you know, at, at the parks, it's always about the holidays. So that's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, they can do a, a holiday-themed set. They can do a Christmas set, a Halloween set, an Easter set. Well, well, okay, but you could also do like a medieval set or like right. a space yeah. set or like underwater. Like I, I think, yeah, I cowboys. Think steampunk is a good idea, but just to have a thematic set, I want a, a sci-fi set. So, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't Disney, but you know, the, the duck, duck Dodger uh, do, uh, cartoons, you know, things like that with Bugs Bunny and all that were really fun because they, you know, they took the characters you knew and put them in those different environments so yeah totally putting them in different environments but having it themed around a, a certain thing because we already have certain characters now with like you know with uh the diving donald and mini you know but uh i think having like a sci-fi set where you know with laser guns and and you know robots and just all that kind of cool stuff mm. that would be a lot of fun for sure Absolutely. And I mean, they already give out special cards at events. I can see them doing that in the future with alternative arts, right? Like um, different variations, potentially. I mean, I would much prefer that over the little symbol at the bottom, you know, like just have a totally different card. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that could be cool. All right, James, are we ready to head into the ending segments? I think so. Uh, do we have... Uh... I think there's really not a whole lot of news because basically everybody was on vacation for the holidays. So almost nothing was happening. 
but we did get a new card since the last time we talked about cards, and that was uh, the EUR card in Steel. Uh, a five-cost inkable, uh, four strength, five willpower, uh, storyborn ally, and he has the ability to resist plus one, and he has one lore. And he's just a common card. He's just a common big body card uh, that has resist, which is going to make him super annoying. Yeah, I agree. That would be super annoying. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see how I don't see this card seeing a lot of play. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, with with all so many more cards getting uh, on play abilities and all of the different things that need to happen while you're playing to get that get that use out of a card something like this just won't get as much play anymore mm, yeah it's a five cost card right yeah yeah it's a bit much right you can get a lot better at that cost i feel yeah there's so many more five cost cards in steel and anything that you pair with steel that it this doesn't just doesn't seem like it's going to make very many decks yeah yeah it it'd be feels... great in sealed though yeah i can see it for sure. With that resist, keeping a body on board if the if your opponent doesn't get any removal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. See, this is where the little thematic tournaments come into play, like a Winnie the Pooh set and stuff like that. So yes. Gotta play only Winnie the Pooh characters in order to compete. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My favorite thing about this card though was um if you read the flavor text, so I don't know if you've seen the card, Tia, but it's Eeyore sitting on a bridge. Yes. And he says, not much of a roadblock, but I suppose I'll do. And our friend Mushu from Mushu Report said, that's Norlax right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was hilarious. Anyway, now we're going to jump into our Disney Jeopardy segment. And we have already asked Tia if she'd be willing to participate. So here we go. You know the general rules for Jeopardy? No. So I, I give you a statement and then you give the answer in the form of a question. So I'd be like, this is the name of the deer in the movie Bambi. Okay, that's a terrible question. But you'd say, who is Bambi? Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yes. We're not super strict, though. So as long as if you get the question, that's fine. Okay, for 100. Oh, yeah. And the questions are 1 through 500. Totally arbitrary. doesn't mean anything. But here we go. For 100, this is the fruit that the queen handed Snow White, which was poisoned. Is the fruit an apple? That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. <laughs> For 200, this was the name of Mufasa's bird advisor in The Lion King. Hmm. Give me a second. I, uh... oh, gosh, it's like at the tip of my tongue as well. We could describe the Lorcana card that uh, this particular character is on, and you might, it might help. Is he on a card? Mufasa's advisor? No, he's not. I was thinking of the other one. Okay. <laughs> it's not uh, the. It's not the one I'm thinking of. It. Uh, I don't know. It. It's like a. I. I think it starts with a T or something. Starts it, with a Z. Zapu. Is it Zapu? Is the so bird close. Zapu? What is Zazu. It? Zazu. Okay, close enough. I'm happy. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you half a point for that. <laughs> Sympathy half. Okay, for 300, this is how many happy haunts live in the haunted mansion? My goodness, I have no idea. 
Happy haunt. Uh, I've been to the haunted mansion though. There are many, many, many things inside though. I'm gonna go with. Is that thirteen? It is nine hundred and ninety nine. There's always room for one more. Incredible! I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Okay, that was probably the toughest one. That's for, cool. For four hundred, this is the name of Andy's neighbor in Toy Story. Mm. Hey, I know this one. See if Jared can figure out any like motion hints here. It's like, how am I going to figure out how to give a hint on this one? Uh, The antagonists always have weird names. I just have to. It's wrong, but is it Ed? So close. Who is Sid? Sid. There we go. I knew again. I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I have a faint idea of what it sounds like. Sid. There you go. You're never going to forget. No. (laughs) Okay, for 500, this was Stitch's experiment number in Lilo and Stitch. So they say he's experiment number... (laughs) Oh, gosh. I am so sorry. I chose hard questions. No, it's really cool, though. Uh, Is it 402? It is... What is 626? Six two six. I I just just would not have known this at all. <laughs> so now you know on June twenty sixth, six two six, that it's Stitch Day. So if you see people posting about it, that's why. Oh, interesting. Six two six. You say. Yeah. Crazy. So much Disney trivia. I love we've it. To, we've been able to fill an episode basically five questions every week for a year. And we wow. are nowhere near running out of questions for Disney trivia. <laughs> That's crazy. I need to rewatch all your episodes. I need to see all the answers. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Okay. So let's wrap up here uh, again. Tia, thank you so much for coming on. We are very excited about your tournament on Saturday. I hope it's a big success. I unfortunately have to work, so I won't be able to go, but again, okay. plug your tournament, tell people where they can find you online and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so it's the uh, 2024 New Year's Tournament is what it's called. You can find it on the uh, Disney Play Network, which is done by Cards IOE. So it's not an official uh, Disney platform. And it is also available in Twitter. If you just go on my Twitter name, Tia Boyson, you'll find one uh, comment there about the tournament. If you feel like participating Saturday, Otherwise, there'll be more in the future, and uh, hopefully we can make them more mainstream at some point soon. And again, thanks, guys, for having me. Really appreciated it. I've been following your Twitter for the longest out of all the Disney Lorcana ones, so keep at it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what the future brings. Same here. I think 2024 is going to be a big year for Lorcana, and I'll make sure to uh, include a link to the year tournament when this uh, goes live. So. Great. Um, If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal, and you can check out geekshotphoto.com for links for photography and social media for my wife and I. And thank you again to you for joining us. And uh, everybody, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.